Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It's One Man's Opinion. Thank you, thank you, thank you for downloading, subscribing, uh, leaving commentary, good or bad. We do so appreciate it. This is episode 64. Yes, NFL draft still fresh on our minds, still the hot topic. We are going to go over a full-blown NFL draft recap here on this episode. Again, thanks to each and every one of you for downloading, telling a friend, uh, spreading the word, everybody. It's the little podcast that could. We do so appreciate it. I am Jeff Manns. You can find my work at fantasyguru.com. The post-NFL draft, fantasy football rankings, dynasty rankings, basketball rankings, projections, our takeaways, prospect profiles, all of that is available over there. Get in, fantasyguru.com. Going to be a hell of a season here, folks. Make sure you are with us. Elitefantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs. Currently in baseball duty, daily fantasy baseball cash game breakdowns every single day of the week over there. Elitefantasy.com, elite sports betting for your legalized sports betting needs. Follow me on social media on Twitter at Jeff underscore man's. The Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and of course on TikTok. Special guest on the program today, folks, helping me recap this 2021 NFL draft. He is one of the best fantasy football analysts in the known world, everybody. From fantasyguru.com, the one and only Tyler Beaker joined us today. Ty, what's up, my friend? What's happening, Jeff? Excited to be here. Uh, just leaving this gigantic milestone of the NFL draft last part of big news that we'll get this offseason prior to OTAs and training camp. So I'm pretty much in full swing now for this upcoming 2021 fantasy football season. Was there any down? When was the downtime? Remember Tyler, we, you and I, we always talk about our crew at FG. We're always like, all right, during the offseason, when, when was that offseason? Cause it feels like I blinked my eye and we're already post draft. Right. You really have to squint to see it on the calendar. I think it was like maybe a day or so, but uh, we get we right back into it during the off season. We went from the regular season to the playoffs, to the off season, to free agency, to the NFL draft, the NFL calendars, 365 days these, these years. Yeah, they don't, man. They do such a good job. The NFL is just such a behemoth. They do. They're just the most amazing product out there because they're constantly giving us something to chew on something to feed off of. And, you know, it, as much as it, it does burden us with the workload, it's constant, but man, I, I just got to hand it to them. Like I, I wish any product could ever give you this much. And we got the schedule coming out a week from today. As a matter of fact, it's like the schedule is going to be out right after that. And then you got OTAs, then you got training camp and boy, it is, uh, it is something else. That's for sure. Remember folks, you could follow uh, Tyler Beaker on Twitter at Tyler Beaker, B U E C H E R on that last name, all one word T Y L E R for Tyler fantasyguru.com is a place to find him there as well. Tyler, what a, let's I'll throw it to you just overall, you know, you and I hosted uh, a number of shows over the weekend uh, for the NFL draft. So we get, you got to see more than me than I'm sure you would wanted to see after I had to drop, drop trial after the Justin Fields pick, but uh, your takeaway just overall the event, the spectacle or a couple of nuggets here that you took away from the 2021 NFL draft. Well, for fantasy purposes, 
it's rather lackluster aside from the quarterback position. We get to see an injection of youth at the quarterback position, which is exciting. That in itself is exciting. We saw some big trades, including your own Chicago Bears getting up to get one of the top quarterback prospects in this year's class in Justin I'm Fields. So happy. Round one, uh, not a whole lot of surprises. We saw quite a few mock drafts end up being pretty accurate in terms of landing spots and prospect pairing. Um, I think some of the biggest surprises were uh, teams that did well in drafts, like the New York Jets. They surprised yeah. me with their moves. They, <laughs> they got their franchise quarterback of the future in Zach Wilson, but then they also did great moves in surrounding talent around him. They traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, a guy that could play uh, left tackle, left guard, wherever they need him to play. They also got him a great weapon in Elijah Moore. Like I, I like the way that some of these teams operated in terms of they know they have these young, talented quarterbacks on their rookie deals and putting them in the best position to, to succeed. Like we saw that either through offensive line bolstering or through adding weapons. And I was that was the most exciting thing to me. We'll see GMs do that and operate in that facility. Yeah, that's it's such a smart thing. I mean, you're gonna it's amazing to me how bad organizations or bad front offices always do that. They they'll bring in the the hallmark, the, the calling card, the the uh the big quarterback, you know, oh the franchise, but then they don't help them out. They don't help the, the quarterback, they don't give them any tools to succeed. Those tools start with coaching, quite frankly, and they they get protection via offensive line and then weapons so what receivers, tight ends, running backs, you're building around. It's amazing. They're like, all right, we got the quarterback. Now uh screw you. You know, you got you'll just have to do all the heavy lifting for us. So I, I like the way you're thinking there especially with this quarterback class, five quarterbacks going in the, uh, in, in the first round. Pretty amazing when you really think about it. Um, what about, okay, let's dive in. I'll, I want to get into winners and losers overall. But, okay, before I go there, the, my piece on fantasyguru.com where I studied the last six years of the drafts in the front offices, you're a numbers guy, right, Tyler? So, you, you know, you're all about the numbers. You're, you're very data-driven in all your analysis. And when I look at these GMs, when I look at the I, – I just call it like it is, a failure. I just think so many front offices, GMs – they fail at their job. 31.6% on average. That's the current market. 30, I think it's just over 37% um, in my, all the GMs that I went through, all the front offices that I studied for the, over the last six years. When you're barely hitting a third of all your draft picks, nobody thinks nobody's going to be 100%. Two thirds is probably a lot to ask. But considering so many of these front offices are under a third hits on their, their uh, drafts. What's the reasoning for it? Why are we misplacing our trust and faith in some of these front offices and who they're choosing? It's a challenging question there. These GMs, they, they don't have an easy job here in sorting out these prospects. You've nailed on the hit rates uh, pretty extensively there. Um, I think what, what I might take away here is, I don't have a lot of faith in poor front offices in terms of if they spend early draft capital on a guy that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a guy that I want to spend early draft capital on for fantasy purposes. Like we often see these players selected and they're not good fits or they try to fit like um, square pieces into round holes. Like holes. there's like all, all kinds of issues here uh, where I don't have a lot of faith in these front offices as a whole. So 
we, we look at even some of the more accurate groups, um, like Baltimore over the previous yeah. regimes with like Ozzy, like he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Indianapolis, New Orleans, Indianapolis, some good ones. Yeah, right, right. And these are groups that I tend to gravitate more towards in their selections. If they're spending first or second round capital on like a wide receiver or somebody, somebody I'm probably going to pay a little bit more attention towards. But as a yeah. group, like yeah, there's a, there's a lot of issues. And here's the thing. This is what I'm looking at, at least, right? And again, you work with me on a daily basis. You know I'm old and and uh, and uh, get off my lawn waving at the sky kind of thing sometimes. But I look at it like if 33% roughly, and I'll call it even 31.6 technically, if that's the hit rate or success mark for the front offices, and then we as a fantasy community are trying to equal that or our goal our whole objective is to reach their level we're starting out at a deficit we are really are in our analysis whether it's you know through the mock draft exercise like we've already done or even after a you know, post draft if we're given credit like okay now that this is where all the gms rank all these prospects or this is the way it goes you know they're all right so we're gonna put our most faith in those early round picks because they were early round selections by these GMs. If I feel like we're starting out aiming for 33% and we could only come up woefully short from that point. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that we need to trust ourselves a lot more and trust what we believe in some of these players, as opposed to trusting the front offices. Cause I, I'm getting kind of sick of, believing in these front offices that, Oh, just because a guy squeezed in the first round, that means, Oh man, he's secretly better than we thought. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's, you know, no, no, I won't accept that anymore. Tyler. I'm not accepting it. I just refuse. I I think that I'll trust my own eye and my own opinion over a front office that barely hits a quarter of their, their uh, prospect or in draft picks. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And when it, comes to GMs for both the NFL and for dynasty or fantasy general managers, whatever you want to call yourselves these days. Um, there's a reason why like so many people advocate getting additional picks and just giving yourself more darts to throw because the hit rates are just so egregious. Like yeah. it, it's really rough for these GMs for both perspectives for real life and for fantasy. Sure. Um, it, it's, it's just a, a low hit rate and I think the idea of like giving yourself more opportunities to hit makes a lot of sense. And by the way, people ask me again, this is all on fantasyguru.com. People ask, all right, well, man, what are you counting as a hit? What do you count? And I said, Jeff Swaim, that's the hit. That's a hit. Like, I mean, if you can effing believe that, you know, Jeff Swaim drafted by the Cowboys, if you believe it, bounced around, that's a hit. Like that was a hit for the Joneses. That's my, that's sort of my benchmark. A guy who, eh, didn't really do anything, but it's been around and he does play, you know, uh, he works in the rotation. He keeps getting work that just a usable piece because so many of these draft picks we saw will go away. What I want to get into here, Tyler, and get your opinion on right out the gate is San Francisco. Obviously we know they gave up a lot to move up to that pick number three, you know, Lawrence, nobody's going to question Zach Wilson. We knew that was the Jets guy. And again, I got opinions on Zach Wilson, but at three, 
San Francisco and John Lynch was on the board. This is an organization and John Lynch is looked upon as if, oh, he's just former player, Hall of Famer, always knows what he's doing. Boy, he really hoodwinked the Bears back in 2017 by getting them to bite on, on Mitch Trubisky and all that. And, uh, you know, and then he got Nick Bose to the following year. Wow. He's looked highly upon. Then I do the research and say, okay, but he's only hitting 31% of his picks over his four years as GM or five years as GM of the San Francisco 49ers. Fine. Mac Jones is the guy. 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 I didn't want to believe it the entire process. And then we get to draft day. And of course, Trey Lance is the guy now, Tyler. So to me, it screams, they didn't know what they were doing. They knew they were taking a quarterback, but I don't think they were as set as we may think they are. And it just makes me wonder about John Lynch and the 49ers. Talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, your expectations for uh, Trey Lance at the next level. Yeah, I think that's fair to question. Like, I believe when they made that move to get up that they had intended on using Mac Jones, at least that's what the reports from Adam Schefter were indicating. Um, But through that extra month or so that they had between when that trade went down and when they were on the clock, they had extra time to look into the other prospects and, Perhaps we see them come out later and state that they, Trey Lance was the guy all along. Um, <laughs> sure, I, I think that's more of a CYA kind of <laughs> issue right there, where yeah. they're just they're saying that to say that. So, so we would never know exactly how that played out, but um, it's an interesting angle that they went here. Like Trey Lance, he offers a ton of fantasy upside, which is why he's very appealing toward me as a, a fantasy analyst. Because today's NFL, you want guys that are able to pick up yardage on the ground as well. They just help raise the floor and the ceiling for whenever those games where they are able to click both passing and rushing wise. But Lance, like at North Dakota State, he has one year of production, really, that 2019 season. He was playing for a North Dakota State that went undefeated and they rarely threw like Lance did not throw more than 20 times very frequently that year. Like he averaged just under 18 pass attempts per game that over the course of that season, some of that was due to the competition they play. They didn't really need to throw, but I guess my hang up here is that there's a little bit of a question mark regarding how much like battle tested he is. And considering the level of play that he faced at North Dakota state, um, I don't know. There's some questions here in terms of how you want to shake out your rankings for fantasy purposes among the top three quarterbacks. Yeah. He's exciting as heck, no doubt about it. But again, I think North Dakota state, Carson Wentz, North Dakota state's a behemoth. They just destroy lesser competition. They recruit uh, real high end guys or, you know, they recruit well for their class. And then they, they kind of dominate the competition year in and year out the list of one year starting quarterbacks at the college level and their, their uh, pro careers. It's not a friendly one. You're talking about players uh, like Jordan love, like Dwayne Haskins, like Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser, uh, Wentz kind of started a year and a half, one year plus Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannehill, who now it looks a lot better than it did in his career with Miami, but you know, that list isn't very good. And that's the list that Trey Lance comes from or is on now because he just has limited experience. And quite frankly, I mentioned this in the previous episode, Tyler, they, and, uh, I don't know if you saw the Jed York thing today where 49ers come out. Well, he may sit for two years. Like, bro, do you understand why you, you 
sold your soul to move up to get a quarterback. I don't think you want your quarterback on his rookie deal sitting. Isn't that the point? Isn't the whole point of drafting these guys early and giving up whatever you have to, to get them on their rookie deal, to open that five-year window and start them right away to start that clock? Because if you wait, uh, cause what, what happened? Then your window is really two years. And if, if you don't win in that two, if, if the quarterback does well in that two years, all he's going to do is hold out and force a, you to give him a massive contract. So you're literally shrinking your window uh, down. And I, I don't really understand that principle, Tyler, a year, half a year, maybe one year you sit like Mahomes did if you're very fortunate, but sitting multiple years, I don't think is conducive to winning in to modern NFL. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, especially when you consider that they traded up and gave up multiple first round picks to get there. Yes. He's going to be starting right off the bat. This guy's playing 17 games. I don't care what they say. Like I would Love be it. shocked if Jimmy Garoppolo were on the roster week one. Yeah. I mean, what happens with that? Where does this go? Just sitting, just a bench player at this point for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think? Who knows? Like there's a lot of moving pieces quarterback wise, Deshaun Watson, yes. uh, Aaron Rodgers. You, you may disagree there, but there's still oh. just question marks. And there's very few landing spots now. Like New England was one after investing in Mac Jones. I don't really see that as an option. Denver kind of remains an option. Uh, Carolina may remain an option. I know they just picked up Sam Darnold's uh, fifth-year option, but mm-hmm. there's some question marks. And even Detroit, like they're still a long-term quarterback away. There's some question marks there. Um, so, so we could see some quarterback shakeup still throughout the offseason, even though free agency is over. What's your take on the Aaron Rodgers stuff? Like you mentioned, I disagree, but I mean, I, I just, I don't think, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, Roger, for one, I just, it's not the Packers doing anything. The Packers didn't do anything. They just evidently upset Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is just, he's going through a midlife crisis or something where he's not happy no matter what. And I get not getting help from last year, but where, how do you see the Rodgers situation unfolding here, Tyler? I think they call his bluff and he stays in green Bay. Maybe they do something to reignite his passion and wanting to stay in green Bay for uh, the remainder of his contract. Maybe they bring in Julio Jones, who is a rumored trade target during the NFL draft to entice him to stay a little bit more, but I think he stays in green Bay. I have, I have a hard time believing he goes elsewhere. It is uh, I have almost absolute. It's either he stays in green Bay or he's retiring. Like I, there's no, they're not going to, especially, I mean, the Packers, it may end up being a genius move drafting Jordan love last year. It may end up being just genius because number one, you pissed the guy off to get an MVP season out of him. Right. You know, and then now you, you have protection so that in case you know, it's not Deshaun Kaiser backing up Aaron Rodgers anymore, in case he decides to retire, you actually got a guy who, developed you know a really highly regarded prospect from a year ago who got a chance to learn and, and follow in the footsteps of, of a um, MVP quarterback in a season like that even though I'm sure Rodgers didn't uh, mentor him very much I think it, it may work out for the Packers best interest because they have a little bit of power it's like all right man well we're not trading you so either that or you retire and if you want to retire hey so be it. it's your legacy at this point, you know, um, one Super Bowl, right. fine. You know, I think he's only kind of doing damage to himself. So I agree. You got to call his bluff if you're the Packers. And he's going to, there's maybe they do, maybe Gutenkunst, whatever. Uh, he, by the way, 14.3% success rate 
from 2018 to 2020, the worst in the National Football League. So I get where Aaron Rodgers may be upset, but I don't agree on how he's going about uh, uh, his business here. We'll, we'll just see. But fire on the GM, I, I think that may be a win-win because I think it'll be a good idea. Right. <laughs> it'll be good. I mean, the guy's bringing nothing to the table um, whatsoever. So th- that's where I'm at with that. Uh, what, what is your, uh, your favorite early round pick? Let's stay in the first round, Tyler. What was your favorite pick of that first round? Which one stood out to you the most? Or what do you think will have the most impact? My favorite pick in round one, that would be honestly the bears moving up to get Justin Fields. Oh, I love you so much. I I, I'm not you. just pandering to you as a Chicago fan, but uh, <laughs> just, we finally get to get, a terrific quarterback for Allen Robinson. The Bears get a franchise quarterback. GM Ryan Pace gets more additional time to continue to find different ways to screw up this roster, but he gets contract extension essentially here with Fields. Uh, I think that's almost a guarantee now as they try to see how he pans out. But then they also added Tevin Jenkins in round two. Like I, I like the moves that they did, and I'm a big Darnell Mooney fan. I think like him getting an accurate quarterback is going to help on those downfield throws quite a bit. Justin Fields is one of the most accurate quarterbacks PFFs charted over the course of his career. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot to like here with Fields. And I like him from a fantasy quarterback right off the gate as well. I think he could be a mid-range quarterback too with a high-end QB2 ceiling. Like if you're playing in any best ball drafts, he's an ideal target for me there as a quarterback two selection. Um, yeah, I think the Bears, I think they did a great job. I uh, am so happy to hear that independently. Uh, again, I am a Bears fan, but I've learned a long time ago since I've been in this industry. Bears haven't been any good, so I don't really – it doesn't infiltrate my thinking. I, I would have been just as excited um, on a personnel level if Washington or Carolina had moved up and grabbed him. I believe – like, I don't like making the same mistake twice. I just don't. And I learned a lot from 2017. I learned a ton with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Like that draft process, I was doing all this and I was covering it. I was on the dais in Philadelphia. The Bears traded up and I was like, all right, well, this is their guy. If the front office believes it, then he must be better than Deshaun Watson. Oh, you know, Clemson quarterbacks don't have a good track record. And, you know, obviously just terrible decision making all around. And I full hook line secret. I felt like it's the same thing. There's nothing anybody can tell me that Justin Fields doesn't do that. Let's say Zach Wilson does better. Like there's, there's nothing. The whole lineage of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, they grew up together. They're in every camp. They're in every, every recruiting show and all that. And Lawrence had a better collegiate career because well, dabble Sweeney, let's just be honest. That's what happened. And uh, it, it's amazing the time at Georgia that Justin Fields had, but he made the most of it going to Ohio State. And I was just, I, I'm just befuddled at how he could have slipped this far down. And whatever team we're trading up and going to get him, whether it land or whatever, we've seen it. Yeah, I'm old. I remember Aaron Rodgers slipping. And I've, I've seen this happen before with quarterbacks. And it doesn't mean they're not any good because like we talked about, these general managers don't know what the F they're doing. So I love the fact that it's the bears. I do believe in Justin Fields at the highest level. I think he's the best second best quarterback of this class. And uh, I'm very excited from a fantasy standpoint too. Like you said, it is really, really good. Uh, I think there's a lot here. It's a guy four, four speed. 
and you know can make people miss in the open field great ball placement downfield passing is immaculate as charted by pff so yeah i'm very excited by that you think is mooney the guy is he the guy that wins because of fields you know the as far as the deep threat somebody asked me a demir bird question could you believe that uh yeah he just got signed signed, right yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean who do you think's the winner out of the 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 receiving core or the offense as a whole of Chicago. What do you think wins the offense as a whole? Really? I, I do. Um, every piece, every piece, a Rob, like he's still going, I'm getting him in round four of drafts right now in best ball drafts. That's absurd Who? to me. Allen Robinson. Oh my, there's no four? reason why he should be lasting that long. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. So I think, I think he's a huge winner. He, he's a guy that once again, once again, can be a top 12 uh, producer. And this time, Perhaps we see it all come together where it's big reception totals, big yardage totals, and big touchdown totals. Yeah, I love Allen Robinson. And the thing, I, what I think, this might keep him in Chicago too because he was out. You know, they had to franchise him to keep him around. And uh, now I, after that, they, they, he was not happy. He's not happy with the tra- trajectory of the team. But now it does, uh, it gives receivers, it gives when you get a quarterback like this, if you could play at the level that we hope, it brings people to the city. It brings people to your franchise, to your organization who want to play with that quarterback. So hopefully it's an exciting thing all around there. What was the worst first-round pick? It was the worst one. So I love, 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 love that David Gettleman moved back in the draft, mm-hmm. but selecting Kadarius Tony with it was a bit of a head-scratcher, especially when they need – so much help on that offensive line and they let a guy like um christian derisaw slip right through their fingers i i I don't understand it adding a fourth wide receiver a guy that can really only play out of the slot when you're already paying 10 plus million dollars per year over the next three years to a guy like sterling shepherd it was a head scratcher to me terrible it's we we keep doing this man we keep doing this bullshit with the uh, drafting of diminutive wide receivers in the first round when you don't have the quarterback or the offense to get the most out of them. And in this case, like Kadarius Tony is a fine prospect and really ideal slot guy, but you just hit it. You have Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard produces out of slot, period. We, we know this. We've done this. We've been around with this. You, saw, you have Slayton on one side and you go and spend a ton of money for Galladay on the other side. What are you doing? What are, I mean, you had Golden Tate a year ago. What? It doesn't work. Like, you have so many other holes. It's such a bad pick. I totally agree with you. Uh, listen, I love the Giants because the Giants are what caused the Bears. You know, they traded with them to uh, trade for the Bears to get Justin Fields. So I'll always be a big blue fan. Uh, but this was a head scratcher, to say the least. And Gettleman isn't as bad as people think with his draft picks. His hit rate is 38.4% a little bit higher than the league average. Um, but again, and oh, even higher. That's in New York. Kettleman in uh, Carolina is actually one of the best, 52.9. That technically would be the best in football, but we don't, I only charted three years, 15, 16, and 17 in that regard. So uh, he gets a bad rap, but he gets a bad rap for making huge blunders like he just made today. And quite frankly, that's, that's an organizational – it's a different trajectory if you take Derisaw there as opposed to, you know, your fourth receiver, Kadarius Tony. So I'm on board with that as well. Um, what else stood out to you as a whole? Let's go over our lists of winners 
and then we'll get to some losers here as well. As far as the fantasy uh, landscape is concerned, Tyler Beaker, join us at Tyler Beaker on Twitter, fantasyguru.com to follow his work there as well. Tyler, give us a winner, either a team, a player, somebody that you're buying up in your best ball drafts. Like give me a winner or two from uh, out of this NFL draft. So not many wide receivers ended up in prime landing spots. So I'll give you two right here. And they're guys that got day two capital. Uh, we'll start with one, Elijah Moore with the Jets. I talked about it right when we started. I love that this addition of trying to get Zach Wilson additional weapons and trying to get the most out of your young quarterback early in his career. Jameson Crowder, a $10 million cap hit if they decide not to cut him. I, I would be amazed if he's still on the roster after that June 1st date where they can save that $10 million. Elijah Moore can immediately be a plug and play slot receiver, like a high floor option. Um, maybe not a, a fantasy phenom, but a guy that I think can be a rotational wide receiver four or flex option for you right off the bat in 2021 with the upside for much more uh, like w Wilson. I think he gets a bad rap in terms of the other quarterbacks because he doesn't offer the athletic upside of Trey Lance or Justin Fields or have the, the quite the arm as um Lawrence Trevor Lawrence excuse me thank yeah. you mm -hmm. um, so I, I do think Elijah Moore lands in a good spot here where we'll see a lot of uh, wide zone types of offense here by the Jets uh, a lot of crossing patterns where we're able to get Elijah Moore in space and let him use his speed to take short receptions to the house like he, he's a guy I'm excited for yeah and, and by the way how many days from you know they're dry, they're cutting Jameson Crowder you mentioned the salary cap reason how many days before he signs in Carolina Right. I was thinking right. that same exact thing, like <laughs> looking for other teams that could be slot needy. Um, yeah. But that's a good segue because that's my other good landing spot. Oh, okay. uh, I, I really, really okay. like that the Panthers added uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, he reunites with Joe Brady. Mm -hmm. We saw Terrace Marshall last year get quite a bit of run in the slot. So he has that versatility to line up both outside and inside. Uh, big target, six foot two, 205. Robbie Anderson, he enters the final year of his contract this year. Perhaps they move on from him. Terrace Marshall could be wheels up as early as next season. Man, it's uh, it, it hurts my soul, Tyler, that I am actually, I said it the other day on, on the SiriusXM show. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to fucking like Sam Darnold, ain't I? <laughs> oh man i mean dude i interviewed this guy pre-draft and came away like oh boy well that's miserable like he ain't gonna do shit and i've you know, been right the whole time with the jets but now i really like what matt rule and joe brady did in uh in carolina last year joe brady you start this is what i do with the coaching breakdown you, you start following who's in charge of what and what impact do they make you know what I mean? We fantasy mm -hmm. players mostly always give it to players. Well, sometimes it's the, the men behind the scenes, people calling the shots, calling the plays that do it. And this Carolina offense, all you have to know is I use Teddy Bridgewater. I believe he was my most heavily used cash game quarterback last year. I mean, anybody knows me knows that wasn't supposed to happen, but there we are. It was the right move to make and won 15 out of 17 weeks. Somehow my greatest season ever. This offense is legit, and I think that Sam Darnold's a better fit for it than uh, Teddy B was, and he's got reunited with Robbie Anderson. We know DJ Moore there. Terrace Marshall, like you said, reunited with Brady. Marshall was that big game guy. He didn't, you know, didn't have the Jefferson or Jamar Chase huge games, but 
third down in big games. This guy was catching first downs. He was catching touchdowns uh, in those big games against Alabama, Ohio State, and like a couple of years ago. So, yeah, this this is a good get, a good guy to have. And I thought he fell a little further than uh, I had anticipated. Any other any players that fell for you that you were like absolutely stunned at how far they fell or how much they fell? Anybody stand out to you in, in that regard, Tyler? You thought, oh, they're first round for sure, but they end up going to second or third. In terms of skill position players? Um, anybody. It could be anybody. It doesn't have to be skill position. Like mine, mine is Melifuanu. I, I, I hit on my mm. linebackers. I hit on my safeties. You know, I had, I had a pretty good run with that. But um, Melifuanu, the cornerback of Syracuse, I looked at him like, damn, this guy is freaking – he, he has elite coverage skills, pure coverage skills. He's got the body too. He ended up going like 101 overall, I think is one of the compensatory picks for uh, in the third round. I was stunned. I felt like, all right, he's going to squeeze into the first round. It's a guy that nobody talks about, but he was still, he went to the Lions at 101 overall. That was a surprise to me at least. Yes, yes. He was frequently mocked there in the first round as well. And another guy that was mocked there, uh, Going back to your Bears, Tevin Jenkins, I thought he was uh, the biggest ah, yeah. uh, value left there when we exited round one on Thursday night. Uh, but another guy that slipped quite a bit, Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami. Yeah. All the way to round five. I mean, he was kind of that like H-back move tight end, like a guy that can win with a lot of yak. But I was really surprised to see him fall beyond many other tight ends that I had ranked lower than him pre-draft process. So Brevin Jordan was a pre-draft miss for me landing down here in round five, but I mean, it's the Texans. Like it's a wide open death (laughs) chart. Like he could ascend quickly. So perhaps it's just a stash at this point, but yeah, Jordan was a surprise follower for me. Uh, That that's a good one. I had him rather high too. You mentioned the Tommy tremble. I got, I watched him, you know, uh, he's nothing. I couldn't believe, I think he went my third round went ahead of Brevin Jordan that's that's a sin like there's some I believe Tyler that we need more retribution we need more punishment for just horrific calls you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. like one of my things was like the Johnny Manziel thing I'm like no no we need need (laughs) Johnny Manziel you thought Johnny Manziel was gonna say no you need to sit out for a period of time or something Tommy Tremble ahead of Brevin Jordan no it's nothing that I could, I cannot accept that. I can't accept it at any level whatsoever. Uh, that's, that's a good pull right there. And, and the tight end class, speaking of the tight end class, uh, I want to ask you, well, first Houston, I want to get to Kyle Pitts here too, but the Texans to Sean Watson, you, you mentioned to, I don't know if it was on or off the air, but you mentioned you're, you're very active in your best ball drafts already, you know, it's underdogs got that huge $1 million top prize contest. Um, they're opening that up. What are you doing with Deshaun Watson right now? Early in the off season, like when this news was still coming out and best ball drafts were just getting started. I'm talking early February into March. I was still taking Deshaun Watson because I couldn't understand bypassing that value even if he was dropping just a few quarterback spots from like qb5 to qb8 but now like he's like qb12 these reports aren't subsiding nothing's really uh shining positively in his direction at this time i'm avoiding at this time like i i was actively buying early in the offseason now i'm just holding out i i don't 
I don't know what to expect here. It sounds like the Texans don't know what to expect here either. Like they spent their first pick in this year's draft on a quarterback in the third yes. round. There's question marks there. Uh, so I'm not, I don't have a lot of excitement or enthusiasm towards drafting Deshaun Watson. Uh, I get it if you do, but I would also recommend pairing him with another early round quarterback just in case that falls out. Well, that's one of those where you, you have to, if you're going to go the, the Deshaun Watson route, you almost have to go three quarterback now. You know right. what I mean? Like you, I mean, sorry, but you just have to. And that, that hurts. I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I'm okay, but not, I don't want to have to do that. L- let's just say it. The Texans are the worst team in the NFL and it's not going to be close. They're going to be, you know, number one pick of 20. They're on the clock in 2022 already. It's over. If they even have, I don't even know if they own the pick. Uh, probably not. They probably freaking traded away still with Bill O'Brien, but they're, they're going to be horrific. And you know, what happens with Deshaun Watson? If Watson's there. They can win three to five games. It, if he's not, they lose every game they play. Maybe they sneak into one like the Jaguars did last year, but this team is terrible. I mentioned their draft. Their draft isn't awful. You mentioned the Brevin Jordan, but I'll tell you, I don't believe that Nick Casario or Jack Easterby knew what the fuck they were doing. Pardon my French, but we could swear on the show. And they drafted off of NFL.com. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. I'm just like, they, like Davis Mills. Like, okay, I get why you drafted a quarterback, but if you draft a quarterback that has to play, this wasn't the guy to do it. Like, you didn't pick the one of the worst guys. Like, what are you doing? Like, it didn't make any sense on that level either. You know, it just felt like they're like, oh, who is the highest rated player? All right, we'll just take them regardless of what we need. That's what it felt like. I do like Nico Collins. Again, he was another guy that fell further than I thought. You mentioned Brevin Jordan. So it's just an organization that's going nowhere very, very fast. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. We hope whatever the truth is, whatever that you know, happens with that, justice is served because it's got to be. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens with all that. But then getting back into the tight end sector, Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, I, I kept saying that I thought Atlanta's trading out. They're going to trade out, going to trade out, going to trade out because they were going to get a King's ransom. That's what they're asking for. So I was a little surprised. Uh, they should have taken Kyle Pitts, no doubt about it in my mind, but I was a little surprised they actually did it considering the wealth of offensive weaponry here in Atlanta. Right. And I think the problem was they saw what San Francisco netted uh, with that number three pick and, um, they wanted to mimic what the dolphins got in return there. And they, they mm-hmm. couldn't do that. Nobody's willing to pay that much. So they went with a generational talent. Like Pitts is the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. But that being said, like I, I bet the under on his receiving yardage prop earlier this week, like 175 yards, 875. Ooh, that's too high for a rookie. That's way too, way too high. We've yeah. seen nobody in the, the common NFL G, uh, NFL era approach that. And, I, I think Pitts is going to be drafted like tight end five in fantasy drafts by the time August rolls around. The hype is just going to continue to build and build and build. And uh, we historically do not see these rookies pan out. And I'm trending with history here, taking their side. And uh, he'll be a fade, especially if he's being drafted extremely highly as I anticipate. All right. I mean, good Lord. That's the thing. And 
I mean, remember that whenever you're betting with player props, uh, the one thing the fantasy industry and community need to remember, and I kept saying this during the NFL draft, is remember that lines are set based on us. They're not based on facts, really. They, they are. They're ba- they're started out on facts, and then they they alter based on what we're betting. Vegas or any book doesn't want to lose a ton of money, so they're never going to set a line up so that they are going to lose a ton of money regardless of what happens. 875 yards is so inflated because of our stupidity. Really, it's just we can't. Like Tyler said, guess how many players did that last year in tight ends? Two. Too. Exactly. Yeah, sorry, you know, I, I already looked it up earlier today. You know, because you're smart. <laughs> exactly. This is what smart people do. You know it. I mean, and, and I don't think anybody else came close, right? I mean, I don't even know who would have been third, either Hawkinson or I don't think Andrews had a ton of yards, but I mean, you, there's just not a lot. Not going to get over 800 yards for a tight end is balling, man. We get spoiled by Kelsey. Waller had an amazing year. But and a Kittle has been very good when he's healthy. But again, being healthy is part of this. So, yeah, that's an insane number. You know, something about Kyle Pitts though that does intrigue me. And I think the reason I argued with um, Ted Schuster about this premise: drafting a tight end that early, we could argue about the impact, no doubt about it. But I, something that you said in your first piece there, Tyler, is that this is a once in a generation type of talent at the position once in a generation prospect at that position and something that opened my eyes through i have i'm a changed man tyler beaker i I have changed i have said gone to the mountain i've seen the top of the mountain my thought is I, i am done drafting early first second round for need i'm done with it i think it's the biggest trap that fantasy folks fall into. I think it's the biggest thing that professional uh, front offices fall into as well, because, you know, again, I've used many analogies. I used the one with the uh, 1984 NBA draft and the Portland trailblazers are on the clock. Well, they have a shooting guard. They have Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler is a hell of a player. We're choosing Sam Bowie. We need a big guy. Michael fucking Jordan is sitting there. He's sitting there. And he went third because, well, we had his position. Uh, I'm pretty sure Portland Trailblazers would have figured out a way to play Drexler and Jordan together. And I'm pretty sure they would have benefited from that. You know what I mean? There's too much skipping over absolutes in our business. And I'm not talking about, you know, people are confusing this, but when you have an absolute freaking loot, it's so much better. Just draft the absolute draft the best that you've seen. Like Patrick Sertain is the best corner. I don't get Tracy Horn. It's not that he can't be good. Eve, I'm willing to say maybe he'll be better. Maybe there's more upside. That's not the point. The point is drafting the absolute fire hit. You hit on this player. And in fantasy, in the first round of 2021, Tyler Beaker, I, Jeff Bands, will hit on my first round pick 40% of first round picks fail every year. And here we go. I, the Sirius XM crew did a draft 11 running backs. Again, I'm not drafting the seventh, eighth, ninth running back over the number one, two receiver top tight end or got gulp. Even the top quarterback, I am going to draft an absolute freaking loot 
at that spot, regardless of position, because I'm not missing on it. I'll spend the rest of my draft filling my needs. But man, Tyler, I'm just done with it. I think it's the biggest trap that, that we all fall into. Couldn't agree more. Like best player available is the best route for these general managers that are dealing with real front offices and for us in our dynasty rookie drafts as well. Even if you're loaded at running back, similar to your analogy that you just used with basketball, Mm -hmm. take the best running back on the board. If he is the top option on the board, when you're on the clock, like it's not difficult. People, people tend to create challenges out of this one. There doesn't really need to be one. And Kyle Pitts. Yes. I I temper expectations for year one, but he is a generational prospect, elite athleticism, elite production lands in a fantastic offense. Uh, Like there's reason for this optimism here and the draft capital here secures it. Like he should be a, I'll be honest. He is my number. He's a top five selection for me in super flex tight end premium formats. And honestly, he's ahead of all the running backs in that format. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing with like uh, Travis Kelsey. And this is something we were on fantasy guru preaching last year. Kelsey being a first round pick last year, didn't even need to be second round picks where we were preaching, but like nobody's dominated a position for five years. If he's always the top guy, just draft the top guy, draft the absolute, you know, and, and stop being like, well, I don't know. Later on, I may not, don't worry about the later on. You, you, I've never, you know, again, I've played 30 plus years of fantasy football And my, the one thing I could say with certainty is I've never regretted having multiple great players at a position. It's never been like, Oh no, what am I going to do? No, I don't care. I trade them. I bench one of them and, and let everybody laugh at me because I, I started the wrong guy, but yet I still win because they don't have those guys to choose from. I'm fine with it. You know, I, I'm fine with it. Tight end is a position that I, it's a very valuable position at the NFL level. They do multiple things from blocking and pass pro and, and splitting out wide. There's a lot to it, which is why the learning curve is so deep. But um, man, you, I, I went into the process thinking, all right, I'm going to nitpick Kyle Pitts. I'm getting him. I'm going to be the guy, Ty. I'm going to do it. Here I go. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get him. I'm going to, oh, son of a bitch. All he does is do well. There's some yep. blocking issues. He's not a great blocker. He's not a elite blocker, but he's very willing. And that means he's coachable. He, he doesn't shy away from it. And, you know, it's a tight end position when you see these modern tight ends that are more athletes or they come over from playing college basketball. They don't want any piece of defensive ends rushing at them. Kyle Pitts does. He does it. He's not great at that element, but my God, the size, speed, strength element is uh, – is out of control. It's so freaking good. So draft the best thing, draft the surest thing. And I think the, the part that everybody's trying to you know, throw at me is the quarterback. I have Mahomes in my latest rankings of fancy guru.com. I think I, I think he's 15th for me. And it's just that at that point, I'm not going to take on any more risk before I just say, fuck it. This guy, especially with all the upgrades on their offensive line, fuck it. I mean, we know Patrick Mahomes balls out. That we know it. It just is. Can I get quarterbacks later? Absolutely. And outside of him and only him now that with Watson being, you know, uncertain, it's only Mahomes. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm not going to reset and move the goalpost where, oh, well, now uh, Lamar is the next best. And now, no, 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 no. I'm still punting quarterback all the way down if it's not for that guy. 
I'm talking about that guy, the guy, the number one, the app so stinking loot. That's the guy I'm willing to change my outlook for, as opposed to, oh, I got to draft the 13th best running back, or I could draft the absolute best quarterback in the free world that every single person knows is. Fuck it. I'll just go my homes. That's different. I didn't think that way last year or in the previous 10 years. I haven't thought that way, but I, I feel that way now. I get it. I'll say the numbers do not necessarily back that up mm-hmm. just because of the opportunity cost of, so if you yeah. do not go with the eighth best running back in round one or the 13th best in round two, say you go wide receiver one and quarterback one, like a Tyreek Hill, um, Patrick Mahomes pairing or Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes pairing, then you're in round three, you're looking at like the RB 18 RB 19 group and the production just isn't quite the same. Um, yeah. So, so well, th- there's a counter argument to that, but sure, I, mean, I, I do understand all- your frustrations as well. Yeah. I mean, the thing, here's the other element of this, right. With the, when it comes to running back, I think it's a great conversation to have because um, you mentioned like, all right, what's the FOMO fear of missing out. It, that is what drives this huge running back push in those early rounds, right? That's what it is. Like, Oh my God, I'm not going to, but the trick that I've always found and I will continue to believe in is that, you know, these guys will blow out their running backs and then they're done. So what happens is if I, ch- if I have a shitty pick like ninth, I, I hate being like ninth. It's always every year. It seems like it's garbage. Right. And all right, I get the eighth best running back or ninth best running back at that spot. Most years it's like, all right, there's nothing wrong with the ninth best running back. And then you come back and there's 12 running backs off the board. By the time you come back, it's like, ah, oh, shit. You know, eventually these guys will just stop drafting running backs because they have to attack other positions. So the say the quality of running back doesn't fall off as much as you may think. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't. You're, you're still, and in my experience, it's like like Trey Sermon, a guy I want to talk about next. I think landed in a tremendous spot here in San Francisco. Like I don't think anybody's going to get to him. Like there'll be times where I have the next best running back is like a Trey Sermon in the third round. And it's like, I could take, I have to take him here or I say, fuck it. I'm going to go with Mahomes, or I'm going to go with a, you know, a third round is too late for my, but you know, the best wide mm-hmm. receiver, an elite level wide receiver. And then I'll just, I'll still come back and I'll get Sermon two rounds later, most likely just because these, the other group, the Wolf pack, if you will, are, they're tired themselves out of drafting running backs and now are attacking other positions. You know what I mean? So the fall off isn't as big as the perception is of missing out. No, I but there is a lot more risk inherently with those types of running backs. Like, do we know if Jeff oh, Wilson yeah. or Raheem Mostert is, uh, lay down and let Trey Sermon take this RB one role? Or is yeah. there a committee? Do we see, Sermon start out the year as healthy scratches. Like th- there's a wide range of outcomes. Um, they did trade up for him, a move that I love to see GMs make because that indicates that they aggressively like those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sermon is a guy I think that's going to be overdrafted in your typical rookie drafts. I think, you think so. I just had a guy. I just had a guy call in and say that he was on the dynasty clock at pick nine. Yep. That's uh, what I'm saying. Was, no, but he wasn't there at nine or he was there. I'm sorry. At nine. So he was considering, like, I forgot who the other, uh, I think he was considering like Zach Wilson or, or uh, Trey Sermon at nine. 
But you know what I mean? I don't think he is going that early. I, I have Tracer. I can't remember where I have him. It's relatively high. Um, I, I like that San Francisco running game. As much as people love Trey Lance in that offense, I love I love the running back, you know what I mean, in that setup. So I, I have Trey Sermon as a first-rounder in Dynasty for sure. You don't? Okay. I do not. know. I have him as my oh. 21st selection. In oh, my God. Flex tight end premium. But that's super really? flex tight end premium. Okay, so you have some tight. You like Fryermuth more? I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I mean, outside of Pitts, you can have all these tight ends until later for me. I, I'm not gonna. Pray. I get it in a tight end premium. It's a lot different, but boy, that's a lot to hold on to. Think about like last year's tight end class. Is there any tight ends that you think uh, like the Cole Komets of the world? You're like, all right, now it's the breakout. It's, that's very right. excited. Harrison you know. Bryant would be my argument, but again, that's a crowded depth chart. He still has to wade through. But uh, yeah, he'd probably be the one guy, and maybe Hunter Bryant if we see some two tight end sets from the Lions. Right. Um, but yeah, not not a great tight end class last year. I'll give you that. And tight ends a slow position. Like not many guys are contributors right off the bat. But Fryermuth, I mean, he got like Gronkowski like comparisons throughout his time at Penn State. Uh, which are lofty. I'll, I'll admit that. Sure. But uh, I, I do like the idea of stashing these guys, especially when they get the draft capital. That's that's the big thing for me. Like second round, third round tight ends, they get that draft capital. In tight end premium formats, they're ideal second or third round picks in rookie drafts as well, just because they, they have the, the capital associated with them. And these guys, more often than not, you can um, gain a lot of value through them just by holding onto them over the course of a season. And everyone the next year people are going to get more and more excited as these guys are on the precipice of breaking out and that value i think is just either going to stay uh, stagnant or rise so I, I do like investing in those guys damn tyler beaker tyler beaker is the guy that i don't want to compete against too headstrong you know what i mean like you, <laughs> you don't get yeah i love it but a majority of our industry majority of our competitors get thrown off like when they don't what everything you said there is such i hope you guys grasped what Tyler is throwing down here because being confident in your selections and you're drafting that tight end. You're there's so many tight ends that after year one, they don't do anything for the reasons we demonstrated with Kyle Pitts and he's going to underachieve based on expectations. And what happens is then we get excited about the next batch, right? And then the next batch, and then you forget like, Oh, you know, it takes these guys a while before they really break out guy like Tyler is playing that long game, understands that long game when going in and that you know, Gronkowski, Gronkowski is a rare bird because he did produce his rookie year. Right. But like Jimmy Graham didn't, there's, there's a lot of guys who didn't produce first couple of year. Kelsey didn't for crying out loud, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. they, you know, third round pick, they don't, Darren Waller was a receiver in Baltimore and messed around. There's a whole backstory for that, but, they don't produce. So you're right. So when you make those selections, folks, in the dynasty format, hope, especially a tight end, because you're not going to get the return. You'll get some wide receivers will pop, running backs will pop, hell, quarterback will pop. You'll see enough. Trubisky, after his, you know, eight games or whatever he played in 2017, we saw enough there that he was given the, the full time job in 2018 and actually performed pretty well. Um, when you look at it, like, so you get some, you get confident. There's there's something to hang your hat on and to be confident in, in year two with all those other positions. You're not going to get that 
with most tight ends. So you're going to have to play the long game. Uh, I, I really like that. Um, let's continue this. Cause I, I like, I like the way this conversation is going. Here's a player that I'm curious on Tyler. And it's, that's uh, Michael Carter. He seems to be when we moved out of the draft and I went in and did one best ball draft so far, it's all done. And I was like, Holy shit. I'm like, I cannot believe how high Michael Carter, the jets is not going. I'm actually confident that they drafted the Mike, the wrong Michael Carter in that round. I didn't think the jets even wanted him. And then they drafted another Michael Carter next round saying, yeah, yeah, no, it's totally cool. It's like the old Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson thing in Mm -hmm. fantasy when he had the sticker boards, but, uh, you know, interesting. I liked him at North Carolina, but you know, what do you, what are your expectations of Carter in this jets backfield? Well, right off the bat, I imagine he's a PPR type asset that can grow into a role uh, given the current depth chart there, like Tevin Coleman, LaMichael Perrine, Ty Johnson. These are not immovable guys in terms of where they are locked in roster wise. There's a, there's a chance that Michael Carter begins as just a PPR pass catching back out there on third and longs or uh, as a change of pace back. But grows into a bigger role. It's a very thin depth chart for him to ascend. So I think there's some upside there, uh, especially considering like these guys are like journeymen at this point, like the other running backs he's competing against. There, there's not a lot of um, draft capital associated with them or anything at this point. Round four, like pick 107. I, I kind of like the idea of Michael Carter as a, a stash. But again, outside these top three running backs, I think it, it's really important to state this, that I think outside these top three running backs, these are all dart throws to me. So I, I, that's why I'm not bullish on Trey Sermon. I'm not particularly bullish on Michael Carter either. Um, in fact, I have Sermon and Carter right next to each other, 21-22 in my rankings there. I think mm. you just need to temper expectations with this running back class outside the big three. I'm, I'm higher on Sermon for sure. But, you know, that, I mean, that's just the way I, I will play. I mm-hmm. always give credit to the system. Yeah. Third on assist. I, I have like, my pathway is always different way of thinking than most people were like third on the depth chart and a better running sy- system is more important to me than the first, the lead guy on a lesser system. It's just the way I'm wired and, and the way I, I like to handle the running back position, um, obviously. So I totally get that uh, w- w- when it, as it pertains to Trey Sermon as well. Uh, what about, you know, Javante Williams, uh, I'm biased. I, I, love everything about this kid that that was the one thing that it infuriates me sometimes because i'm like there's no way people could watch north carolina football and and look at these two play like carter and williams and be like yeah these aren't the same like there nobody should be splitting time here javante williams is a fucking machine i love this kid going to denver though it's not my best landing spot Fortunately, it's not the worst. How do you see this playing out with him? And and talk about Etienne and Harris versus Javante Williams for 2021 and beyond. Right. So I have all three of these guys very closely ranked. Uh, one, two, three, and as a matter of fact. Uh, we'll just get that out of the way. Najee Harris first, Travis Etienne, then Javante Williams. But I think Wall- Williams is in arguably probably um, the best scenario considering the talent that the Broncos have assembled on offense, the, the level of play they have on defense. Um, perhaps he might have gone to the best team. And I mean, heck, if Aaron Rodgers <laughs> goes to Denver, we're looking at an entirely different Denver Broncos and uh, it's wheels up for everybody offensively here. 
But I also like this spot here because we saw the Broncos trade up for Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon's entering his age 28 season, the final year of his contract. We know that Pat Shermer wants to use Belko backs. And I, I think the age cliff might be approaching pretty rapidly for Melvin Gordon. He has 1,500 plus touches since entering the league in 2015. He had 250 plus opportunities, attempts plus targets last year, top 12 among all running backs. Another big season of heavy miles for, for Melvin Gordon. Uh, I think the age cliff comes quickly and we see Javante Williams maybe start out in a committee to begin the year, but sooner rather than later, he takes over this backfield. And with just Mike Boone and Royce Freeman on the roster, I think it's Javante Williams season uh, pretty early here in 2021 and a guy that I don't mind taking stabs on in any kind of redraft or best ball format this year. I, uh, I love Javante Williams. I've got him 24th in a redraft format. That's how high I am on, on him. I think he's a low end RB two. Like he's, I think everything you said is right. I think that it comes pretty quick. I think there's, there's part of me that's really confident in when people focus on him, like you have to focus on it. There's a lot of distractions in that air raid offense, in North Carolina. There was Michael Carter playing a role. Williams was not a, he was not on anybody's radars for as far as a, uh, a recruit, you know, and none of that stuff. He had none of that going. So there's no, there was little runway. That's what's so impressive. And I think when he gets to Denver, it's going to be fantastic. If he just gets the Philip Lindsay role, Okay. If, if that's the worst case scenario for Javante Williams, you give him 130 plus touches, you know, or, uh, you know, targets plus touch plus attempts. Uh, yeah, buddy. Like, uh, I'm confident the production in that volume even would be pretty damn exciting. And then yes, it would ascend in year number two in an offense. So likely we'll have another coach because if Broncos don't win this year, Fangio's out. We'll see. They're very, very bullish on trying to get a quarterback in here one way, shape, or form, whatever has to be done. And the young talent, Judy Sutton, Dave, Javante Williams, even along the offensive line, uh, I, I think the Christian Berry, the center, Garrett Bowles, I think this is an exciting offense for even if somebody took the reins in 2022. So uh, I'm big on them. Now, Jay Harris, what are the expectations? See, I don't, I have them first as far as rookie running backs, but man, I am not very excited uh, about this Pittsburgh offense um, this year without, without any semblance of an offensive line. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, the offensive line's gross, but in fantasy, we're looking for touches and snaps and Harris is going to get those in spades and with the Pittsburgh Steelers, like his best comp coming out was of Le'Veon Bell. We saw those comps. We saw Matt Forte comps. I like both those because he's Harris is a big runner that's able to patiently wait and catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. Uh, he'll need to be very patient with this offensive line. <laughs> There's not a lot of talent up there. Uh, I wish they had spent a little bit more capital there addressing the offensive line instead, but uh, it is what it is at this point. But I, I think he sees a ton of touches in terms of both uh, rushing work between the tackles and a lot of receiving work as well. Like last year, Ben Roethlisberger, number one in seconds to throw. Uh, a lot of those were quick hitters to Deontay Johnson and to Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, but if we ever see outside um, pressure coming, Harris out in the flat, I mean, he's 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 going to be a, a handful for some uh, smaller cornerbacks or slot cornerbacks to try to take down. And uh, I think he can rack up a lot of receptions in that aspect. Um He's not going to be like that home run hitter. He's not going to break off 50 plus yard touchdown runs frequently, but 
I think he's just the guy that gets a lot of volume and that's why I'm attracted to him the most. Yeah. The volume element is great here. I hope they can upgrade, figure something out. I mean, there's still free agents that are available, which is by the way, head scratching that Indianapolis never went after a left tackle. That's there. There's talks, Eric Fisher visiting them. I think today or tomorrow we're recording this Mm -hmm. on a Wednesday. So maybe hopefully he'd signed by the time you do that. If you add an Eric Fisher, okay. Now not, I still would have Darius Oliver Fisher all day for me, but I could live with that. But it's perplexing. Are there any other of those like coming out of the NFL draft? Any teams? What, what team? You mentioned some winners before, but what team had like the biggest misses as far as you're concerned in this uh, 2021 NFL draft, Tyler? Uh, misses? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hate picking on them, but the Raiders. Don't. Why would you hate picking on the Raiders? It's so much because we do it every year. Like it's getting a little monotonous. <laughs> oh, low, low hanging fruit theory. Yeah, it's low hanging fruit. Uh, we got yeah. your number one safety in the class, Trevin Morig. Uh, I'm saying that in jest. Morig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. As their number two selection, uh, Alex Leatherwood, a questionable selection there at number seventeen. Uh, I, I forget who said it, but uh, somebody said. You know, it's a bad sign whenever the analysts on TV are having to shuffle their papers to find the guy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever uh, see, they go to the Leatherwood. Two. Yeah. Uh, like interior offensive lineman help. I don't know. I don't understand it. Like there were a lot better prospects on the board to me. And I, I'm not alone there. <laughs> Many other people had their draft boards differently than what the Raiders set up. Um, and that was it. Like they didn't address their offensive line enough considering all of the yeah. losses Lost they everybody. endured there this offseason. Um, that, that kind of surprised me a bit. It's just, you know, I, I start, you know, it's easy to pick on Skip Bayless and rightfully so. But then there's guys who do the same fucking thing as Skip Bayless and they don't ever get called on it. And that's like John Gruden to me. Like, dude, John Gruden talks about smash mouth football and in the trenches and all that. And then he aborts his entire offensive line and does replaces it with, really questionable one questionable player in this draft class one player in this draft. i just i don't i don't get it like what dude you're you're a quarterback groomer you can quarter you groom quarterbacks other than do it like dude you you talk about shit how about you do it <laughs> like i'm sick and tired of the talk and you, you mentioned like and mike mayock is right there with him mayock he's you know got hired from tv all right you should have a chip on your shoulder. You had three first round picks in 2019 news flash. None of them have really panned out. Jacobs is fine, but you indicted Jacobs by signing. Uh, uh, what's his face from fucking Arizona. Um, I keep wanting to go ahead and start Ken and Drake. You can't, you know, you indicted yourself that there's a shortcoming at running back or you allocated resources like an ignoramus one or the other. But I mean, there's guys, th- their drafts since Mayak has took over is are horrific. Cleveland Farrell has not panned out. Max Crosby did great. They stumbled on him in the fourth round, had one good year, one down year. But, you know, uh, I mean, there's just been garbage across these drafts. I mean, you talk about Lynn Bowden didn't survive training camp or, uh, 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 yeah, Brian mm-hmm. Edwards didn't do shit. And Tanner Muse did nothing. And third round picks, complete and utter waste. And now you ask us, you you ask us to support Alex Leatherwood like I it's fine they needed offensive lineman I, I didn't I wasn't as anti Leatherwood but man this is just risking something that didn't deserve to be a risk there was much better players on the board it leads me to think these other guys that they drafted aren't going to work out either just because it's them taking them 
So I'm completely with you. Henry Ruggs is awful last year. And I said at the time, it's the same thing like with the giants, stop drafting receivers. Stop it. It's not helping your quarterback. Stop it. Just stop doing this. Nelson Aguilar pants Henry Ruggs in terms of production. I mean, it was disgusting. It was so much better. And it's Nelson Aguilar. You got for an Arby's coupon in last off season. And now you're using first round capital on Henry Ruggs. Good grief, man. Oh, and by the way, Henry Ruggs, and then the Dolphins go draft Jalen Waddle. It's like, oh, oh, didn't we just do this? Didn't we just, we just saw this? No? Okay. Okay. Guess, you know, <laughs> okay. Guess we're not paying attention to the chessboard here, but yeah, yeah you're right. The hit rates there. are not high. <laughs> yes. Totally true, man. The Raider, man. I, I, uh, the Raiders are that team that escaped me because I, I was blasting on the Colts for a little bit. Um, and their early picks specifically, um, I was against that. The Dolphins, I thought, like the Jalen Waddle pick, it's Waddle's okay. It's like all these guys are okay, but why? How can you possibly draft Jalen Waddle sixth? Right, just just in a vacuum when Patrick Sertain is still on the board. Just explain it to me. And I will the need of, okay. That's where I say, fuck your need, man. Fuck that. Go get this absolute powerhouse corner. If that, if you can't figure out and then get, you know, later on get your Devonta Smith, if he would have fell or, or, or Kadarius, Tony, or Elijah Moore, get, you get your, get that guy, get, get a weapon good one at receiver later on, but it just, it defies me, Tyler. It's just absolutely painful to watch the same mistakes made sort of time and time and time again uh, mm-hmm. across the NFL. I remember the draft class with Aaron Donald. I wanted the bears to get Donald in that, that class. And they were projecting Donald to be like, a, like 13th, 14th pick. And if I recall, he's like, he went off the board ninth or 10th ahead of where he should have. But again, would any of those other seven teams really say, no, we couldn't use, we didn't need Aaron Donald because we had a defensive end or tackle. Yeah. He was quote unquote too small. That was the knock <laughs> yes. against him at the time. Yes. yes. Unless you watched him. And if you watched him, you'd be like, oh yeah, this guy is a powerhouse at like age 21. You know, just, just wrecking people at age 21. It was, was so amazing. Um, you know, we're pressed on time at this point, Tyler. I know I've been ranting for most of it, but give me your favorite and your least favorite late round pick. Any, anything in the later rounds, the situation we need to look at a fantasy, a best ball player, somebody let's call it eh, whatever rounds four through seven, anything stand out to you in the later rounds, anybody we need to keep our eyes on. Yeah, I liked what the Lions did in terms of addressing the trenches early in the drafts. And then they selected Amon Ross St. Brown as a later yes. day three selection. Like him as a slot wide out that uh, I I'm, I'm, haven't seen it yet, but I'm very curious to see if there are any really like long shot odds of him perhaps leading the rookie class in either receptions or receiving yards. I might be willing to throw a few shekels on that to see that uh, they got rid of Danny Amendola. We know Jared Goss propensity to th- target the slot is very high cup. and there aren't a lot of wideouts to contend with for targets. Yes. TJ Hawkinson. Yes. Uh, Swift, but I'm not sold on Brashad Perriman or uh, Tyrell Williams. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do think Amon Ross St. Brown could uh, become a, a viable fantasy target in year one and perhaps a late round target for best ball drafts. Yeah, I dig it, man. I like that. It's so true. It's like, I mean, see, that's what I'm talking about. We're build your trenches, build, build your 
foundational pieces in those early rounds, get a slot guy later on. Again, we, we've slot receivers, the best in the world seem to always be found late in drafts on the free agent market or whatever, because they fit your scheme. They have chemistry with your quarterback, whatever. You don't need to force that, that issue. And uh, I completely, uh, completely agree. I like uh, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown uh, quite a bit here. And I love that Cooper cup. You didn't compare him, but it's, you know, there's something there. Now cup had, there's a personal connection with him and golf. No question about that, but it's still a place that he's used to targeting golf is now a veteran quarterback. So um, there aren't, many options, many viable options. At least we know both Tyra Williams, Brashad Perriman going to hurt probably by week one. So right. <laughs> you're really going to for, going to force that issue. Mighty, uh, mighty quickly there. Um, anything else, anything that later rounds you didn't like any picks that you didn't like or any, anything a team did that you, you thought eh, kind of rough. Um, what do you make it? What do you make of the Bengals drafting a kicker? So that that's something that I get. It's the best kicker. And then people are like, well, doesn't that fit your mold? And I say, no, the kicker, like, give me, bro. how many kickers do we need to see drafted that don't work out? And then the best in the world come out of the scrap heap kind of thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that was one to me that was like, why? Listen, if you were the Patriots did this last year and it was miserable, but I'm like, you know what? You're Bill Belichick. Go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and do what you think is right when you're Mike Brown or, you know, and this one, his uh, brother-in-law, Troy Blackburn, who made the pick, you don't get that right. No, I'm sorry. You use a fifth round pick, get another weapon, get somebody else up in there. You don't get the right to draft a uh, kicker. That was something that bothered me. No, I agree. Earn five wins first, and then you can (laughs) get a place kicker. Uh, Egregious move. Yeah. I I honestly didn't even know that happened until you said that, but (laughs) Spending a round five pick on a kicker is hilarious to me. It's just so bad. Like it's really bad. And I just don't understand. By the way, the pick after um, is Kenneth Gainwell. Now you're out there in Philly or I believe you're an Eagle fan, if I'm not mistaken. No, I've rescinded that. No longer an Eagle fan. Oh, good for you. That's that's probably a smart move. Um, But what, what do you make? (laughs) By the way, what's your team then? What what team are you you deciding? You're I'm I'm currently a free agent. I have one of those, uh, do you remember, uh, maybe it was a year or two back, they had a picture of Rob Lowe on the sidelines with just wearing an yes. NFL yes. hat? Yes, yes, the NFL hat. So, you uh, just have that? You're just a fan yeah, of the I game. have an NFL hat. My uh, girlfriend's family, they do a, <laughs> a rotating Christmas thing with uh, Secret uh-huh. Santa, and they uh-huh. go through the letters of Feliz Navidad. This oh, past awesome. year was N, so I got an NFL hat. <laughs> <laughs> I kid Dude. you not, I'm Rob Lowe right now. Oh, my God, that is amazing. I could say. So I'm a free agent. Well, listen, I'll fully pull up the wagon of the Chicago bears. Uh, I will absolutely back that wagon right up to your place. No, no problem. But there's plenty of room in the bears bandwagon. We haven't had uh, anybody get on in maybe a decade. So there's always available there, but what are your, your impact? I'll tell you this from the Philly side of things, Philadelphia may be the most frustrating franchise in all professional sports. And, it keeps bothering me because I keep wanting to like them. And then they force me not to, and I badmouth them and all the Eagles fans get mad at me. This is a rinse and repeat type of scenario. What's wrong with Miles Sanders? Why, why, why is it constant that we need other players in this backfield touching the ball? I mean, is there something that I'm not seeing here, Tyler? 
No, I think Miles Sanders has all of the tools to be an every down back, and they're just not using, utilizing him in that right capacity. Uh, a lot of the targets that he saw last year were poor passes by Carson Wentz, so I will give him a pass for that. But getting a run running quarterback here with Jalen Hurts, I don't see that passing total rising too much. So he, he's been a guy I've been apprehensively drafting, uh, but he's kind of been a guy I've also been kind of every iteration of my best ball drafts, I'm kind of shifting him down slightly more, slightly more. Uh, I'm, I'm less bullish on him this year than I was the year prior. Just with Jalen Hurts, I think he is the the motor of this offense, and he's going to be the, the catalyst in terms of where all of the fantasy production comes from. We're going to see the targets spread out quite a bit, and we're going to see some frustrating fantasy weeks from the skill position players, and that includes Miles Sanders. Man, it's frustrating. The Gainwell pick tells me that, um, boy, it, it, that – I feel like Gainwell's going to have a role of a pass catching back on this team. I just, right. I, they might, I, don't... I mean, they still have Boston Scott. Um, oh, yeah. Exciting news. They brought back Jordan Howard for who knows why. Uh, but I, I do oh like the God. Did they re- I didn't even realize they brought back Jordan Howard. Did they officially do it? Oh my They did. God. He's on the roster. Um, we'll see happening? if he makes Oh, like what the F is happening here? You know, that, that is something you rescinded it uh, just in time, I think, because the fires start just, it's about to go to a broil here very, very soon in Philadelphia. Any other takeaways here, Tyler Beaker, before we wrap this puppy up, any other NFL draft winners, losers, any other players, any other intriguing storylines that we could take away from the 2021 NFL draft? No, I, I just want to reiterate that this is a really rough looking group here in terms of fantasy potential and what we can expect from these rookies in year one or even going forward. Outside of the top group, I don't blame anybody if they want to trade away their current first or second round, third round selections in rookie drafts for veteran players or for 2020 picks. This is just a rough group, but yeah, on like the top tiers. Um, so I'm very apprehensive in investing in a lot of these guys heavily. Interesting. I, I like it. I, I from a dynasty standpoint, you're talking about? Correct. Dynasty standpoint, yeah, yes. Interesting. Yeah, we have been talking about that on the roster coach with my guys Armando and Russ. Yeah. Shout out to them. We've been brainstorming this and uh, I'm fully on board with it and plan to do it in many of my rookie drafts. Tuesday nights, everybody, 7 p.m. Eastern times, the roster coach uh, with the best in the business as far as I'm concerned, Tyler Beaker, Russell Clay, Armando Marsal, the three amigos. There we go. Uh, always a great watch. So informative too. So check that out on fantasyguru.com. Uh, all right. You guys have heard enough of us or enough of me. That's for sure. I'm sure you could talk to Tyler Beaker, follow him at Tyler Beaker on Twitter at uh, T-Y-L-E-R-B-U-E-C-H-E-R, Tyler Beaker, all one word, no spaces in there on Twitter. Uh, That's going to do it. Episode 64, wrapping up this 2021 NFL draft. It is now in the books, as is this episode. Appreciate each and every one of you downloading, subscribing, telling a friend, spreading the word. It is most appreciated. Want to crank out as many episodes as we can in the uh, foreseeable future, we'll have Tyler Beaker on many more times throughout the NFL season, I am sure. Uh, check us out at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs, elite sports betting for legalized sports betting there as well. Follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. 
That'll do it for episode 64. Remember, folks, you may disagree with something or everything you heard in this episode, and that's perfectly all right with us. Why? It was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Peace out.